We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Tuesday, November 12th edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast sponsored by Yahoo DFS. I'm Joe Barlow. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Sports. Woo. And join alongside me, as always, is Jake Latarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. Week 10 in the books. We have now safely conquered the heaviest bye week schedule of the entire NFL season uh, and had a pretty good week yeah. of games overall. We got one more rough week with the Packers, Giants, Seahawks, and Titans coming up, and you can argue that maybe even there's more fantasy-relevant players this week than last week, but six teams is really difficult. I definitely played against someone who had to eat a roster spot because they didn't want to cut any of their six people on by on yeah. their bench, and and I can't blame them. You know, I, I've thought about that strategy over the past. Normally, you, you want to force yourself to cut someone, if at, if at all possible, but I don't know. There are there are situations, and that's okay. And I've done it myself too. So. I had a, I had a few teams I was playing against too. And and quite frankly, either preparing for this podcast, listening to this podcast, and working with you, I've actually able to pre-plan knowing that this was coming. So it wasn't as big of a deal for me. And I think mm-hmm. you could see throughout the thirteen leagues that I was in that there's a few people that weren't quite prepared for it. And there's a few spots. The Chiefs and 
Chargers both have a bye week at the same time, too. That's another pivotal week um, as well. But you're right. I think this is actually a pretty important one as well. Again, we talked about the three or the four teams on bye this week. Packers, Giants, Seahawks, Titans. You can make a case that all four teams have pretty relevant players. Obviously, the Packers, Seahawks, the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. But we saw Darius Slayton, who we'll talk about in a little bit, kind of step up as a Giants receiver. Saquon Barkley, despite his injury, Derrick Henry mm-hmm. for the Titans as well. So it's going to be another difficult week to navigate, and uh, hopefully we can help you through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, uh, whew, yeah, there's, uh, you can argue that the top two MVP candidates are on a bye this week. And, <laughs> Rogers uh, is not. Are you talking <laughs> about Aaron Jones? <laughs> yes. No, exactly. But the thing is, is this week there's actually good candidates on the waiver wire that have emerged. And, you know, know there's been past weeks when we've been like oh well there's not a whole lot going on so we're gonna really try to dig some up for you um there's some that you would maybe even consider i mean chances are you've used some of your fab budget already and are down to yeah down to that yeah 40 to 60 (laughs) or or even if you have 30s left uh there are guys that i would blow a 30-year budget on and finish the year at because you don't know how many more opportunities you're going to get here yeah and i think we're limited unfortunately by the time of the recording this podcast last week was one of the worst i feel like it's been we had Mm -hmm. cam newton ruled out for the rest of the season uh There was somebody else, too, that uh, Joe Flacco getting put on IR that might have snuck in there, too, right after recording. So we don't know the extent of Devonta Devonta Freeman's injury and how limited he might be. Same goes Mm -hmm. for Tyler Lockett, although it seems likely that we'll probably wait till later in the week. Those are two pivotal players. We're going to operate probably as if both those guys are missing time. That's the gut feeling that I see after reading all of this. Certainly uh, Devonta Freeman, and I mm -hmm. I maybe am foreshadowing a little bit for the uh, meat of this podcast. But again, that's, that's a name, Brian Hill in particular, the backup running back for the Falcons. That could be relevant. I do want to go to the Seahawks 49ers Monday night game just yes. real, real briefly. It was a it was a great contest, and it was really the first bad game from Jimmy G so far. I know one insufferable 49ers fan, so I was reveling in the fact that they lost, not just because the Packers following their bye are not I, I know one, too, but I know only one. Right. I, <laughs> does everybody have that? Does everyone know, like, one insufferable 49ers fan? That, it might uh, be. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's just that friend, like, in the, you know, outside of someone I don't even see that often. Jimmy G is 16-2. Exactly, oh but I can, th- I can think Shut of up. just one that that's like, okay, yeah. Shut up. Shout out to you, Jared. I love you, actually. You're fantastic. Anyway, it was great to see the Seahawks win, and I hate saying that as a Packers fan because they have broken my heart many times. The fail Mary is very, very, very fresh on my mind, despite it feels like, what, 10 years later. Uh, So I never like to see the Seahawks happy, but... At the expense of the 49ers, who evidently I also despise as well, this was a good game. <laughs> but overall, um, we had a lot of things come out of that, at least in terms of fantasy relevance. Of course, the Seahawks claimed a three-point a three victory despite the fact that they punted the ball back to the 49ers in overtime with two minutes left. Crazy circumstance. I don't know what the, you know, on ESPN, they, they track like win percentage on plays and stuff like that. That must have been a roller coaster. Uh, yeah, I would love I, to I look at that. I hadn't checked sure. that, but yeah, it would have had to go up and down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Kittle was not able to play that game. Uh, and I, I was actually writing the notes on Saturday when the Monday Night Report came in, and he was listed as doubtful. Mm-hmm. It felt like that he was not going to play, so it yeah. shouldn't have been a surprise. Mm-hmm. And you definitely want to note that when he's out, Debo Samuel, 11 targets, Kendrick Bourne, 8 targets, and well, Ross Dwelly for 7 targets. Well, that's the thing, and and we'll get to the tight end position, but Ross Dwelly um, might be a pretty interesting pickup, too, if George Kittle ends up missing some more time because the 49ers play 
the Cardinals defense, which Ooh, stinks baby. at the tight end position. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little while. You also mentioned Debo Samuel. Emmanuel Sanders left the game after a pretty critical hit. Very good and, point, yes. And Debo ended up being the main target. Now, he had a pretty bad drop that resulted uh, – well, Kendrick Bourne had a drop that resulted in an interception. But Debo had a few drops. He also made some great plays and really looked like an athletic guy. Mm-hmm. As somebody that was down on Debo Samuel entering the year, I was saying, no, 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 let's go with Marquise Goodwin and uh, Dante Pettis as the receivers to own from the 49ers yeah. receiving core. It's quite clear that it's Sanders number one and Debo Samuel number two yeah, and the rest I mean, of the guys it's cut. Goodwin and Pettis had a combined six targets and a combined zero reception. So, you know, we got that going for us here. Um, there were injuries on the Seattle receiving side as well. Uh, not 100%. We did get to see the Josh Gordon debut caught both of his targets for yep. 27 yards. Each in uh, overtime. Each in overtime, yeah. So he was used. It's amazing that he has that kind of trust already. But, you know, if there's anybody uh, as good at getting the most out of their guys, you can argue that it's Russell Wilson. And you can also argue that that's why he's the MVP front runner, possibly. But yeah, Tyler Lockett left the game with injury, so he was a little limited. We saw DK Metcalf. A little limited. He, he stayed behind <laughs> in the hospital last night, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had reports from Pete Carroll just moments before, actually, we came on the recording saying, and it was got to be the worst quote ever, like, oh, he looks okay and we'll see what happens. But if anybody's staying behind in the at a hospital for a bruise is what carol was calling it mm-hmm. that is pretty alarming to me Severe the swelling had to go swelling down. Yes. in the shin yeah so for all you guys complaining <laughs> about shin sprints out there it's shin splints the runners out there uh just just be glad you're not tyler Lockett. you're in the hospital <laughs> yes, for severe exactly. swelling so yeah uh so we saw dk metcalf for 10 targets yes. hollister for 10 targets um least surprising thing chris carson still getting 25 carries they will run that ball and he did fall into the end zone too rashad penny i saw only had three mm-hmm. snaps Three snaps. He didn't yeah. like. He had three offensive. I snaps saw. I had him on a couple benches. He had negative fantasy points because he actually lost a fumble. Yeah. So if you were, you know, a couple people had asked me, like, look at that Chris Carson playoff schedule. He's got some real tough matchups. Um, but then you look, he did this against arguably the toughest matchup or one of the top five toughest matchups here. Uh, he still got a ton of volume. He still scored a touchdown on arguably. I saw Kevin Payne tweet that maybe, uh, maybe he false started on that one a little bit and a little forward lean going. But uh, this makes me find. Feeling feel fine about using Carson as uh, RB two, oh, yeah. whatever you oh, know. Moving easily. forward, it doesn't matter of yeah. matchups. I'm just you know I've got leagues where I've got him, Jacobs, and uh, and Leonard Fournette, and one of those guys is always occupying my flex. Here's I'm Jake not going to sit breaking again about how great his fantasy teams are. I'll get to who I can brag about a little bit when we talk about the receivers. But I did want to discuss as well Jacob Hollister. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to my guy Bill, the FedEx guy. I, I do a lot of different radio. Uh, uh, call outs and I know mm-hmm. you do as well throughout the week um, I've been doing this one in Syracuse now for the last three years and I'm pretty sure that Bill the FedEx guy is going to call and ask for me to be his pallbearer sometime so I can let him down one last time before he goes to the grave <laughs> oh, yeah, he yeah. asked about starting Jacob Hollister against the 49ers defense on Friday when I did the call and I thought it was ridiculous again the 49ers defense is great I had no idea who Jacob Hollister is who's this backup tight end for the Seahawks oh well by the way he had 10 targets 8 catches 62 yards and a touchdown Yet another failure on my part, and I apologize for Bill, who I think ended up losing by just a little bit of points. Mm-hmm. Ed Dixon is going to return potentially. Pete Carroll, in the same vein as talking uh, about Tyler Lockett's injury stats, said that they think Ed Dixon will be available this week. If he's not, he's done for the year. He, he has three weeks to be uh, eligible after getting removed from IR and practicing. So it's entirely possible that either Ed Dixon plays and might just step in as the number one tight end over Hollister, 
or is done for the year, and it's crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, even if Ed Dixon plays, uh, you know, 6'4", 250, I could see him, you know, doing a little bit more blocking, whereas Hollister here, he's running routes on 81.6% of his snaps. So I could see there being a situation, even in two tight end sets, where Hollister is still the more productive receiver there. Russell Wilson always finds a way to make a fantasy tight end pop up and be useful out of nowhere. So uh, for that reason, you know, you could get to, I could see that being useful. You know, we'll, maybe we'll discuss it when we get to the tight ends more. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of really weird little little niche fantasy things to go out to go that happen in this game. You mentioned Garoppolo not having a good game. Really, Tevin Coleman didn't have that great of a game either, despite the Niners scoring 24 points. I believe each defense scored a touchdown. The kickers were active. Right. You know, you know Chase, so the, guy, the backup kicker Chase McLaughlin against mm-hmm. uh, with Robbie Gold out. Exactly. So the critical. so the usual suspects weren't even that guy. Hot. I mean, Russell Wilson played an awesome real life game, but by fantasy standards. It was probably one of his poorer ones of the year, and, and you can imagine that against the 49ers. But, uh, and, and Chris Carson was the only one who did his regular thing. So uh, there we have it on, yeah. on the Monday night game. We talk about the whatever fantasy defense plays Miami is fantastic this year. It feels like uh, if you just combine all the tight ends for the Seahawks, they'd be like tight end two overall in fantasy right now. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting thing, and, and that game was a lot of fun to watch. I, I I think the Seahawks play the 49ers one more time yet the rest of the year, and that it's going to be it's going to be a bloodbath for the NFC West. And as a Packers fan who is likely looking at two teams that they could play in the playoffs, it it was a uh, it was a bit of an eye opener. Like, oh man, this pass rush is going to be pretty darn good against either one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially seeing how the San Diego pass rush. Uh, oh yeah, with, the with San the Diego other, pass. Yeah, rush. The, the LA pass rush with the other Bosa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. Jeez. You know what? They're <laughs> they're leaving <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to have to relearn this in a year anyway. So uh, it's going to be the London pass rush yeah. or the or the team that should no, have no, moved no, to Las Spanish, Vegas. So that's not going to happen. Yes. Oh yeah, of course it's going to be the Winnipeg pass rush. <laughs> you know, it's going to be some, it's going to be something. So I, I'm just I'm not even going to bother doing the mental. <laughs> switch Could from San imagine? Diego to LA because they're going to move again anyway and I'm just going to have to reset and San I'll still Diego. probably call them San Diego the but they San couldn't Diego handle Chargers. the Chargers pass rush with the other Bosa this Bosa would also be problematic unless they can uh I don't know. They're going to have to do something if, they, if those guys play. Maybe more two tight end sets is the answer, but that's an entirely another yes. different topic of conversation for Unfortunately, another Unfortunately, it's not a Packers podcast as much as I'd like it, although that would be the most Chargers thing ever, that they suddenly go from San Diego to the very first Canadian uh, NFL franchise out there. That could, I would not put them past that. I would not put it past the Chargers at all. All right, let, let's get to the actual free agent pickups. Before we do that, though, I want to get a word from our title sponsors, Yahoo Daily Fantasy. The NFL season is under full swing and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports is there for you. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with just a little bit of cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy Day and get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Just a quick reminder, like we always do, these recommendations are 12 12-team leagues, $100 waiver wire, fab budget. And again, we're trying to target players that are under 50% owned. We got really close in a few guys, in particular the defenses that we'll be talking about a little bit later on. But just an idea of, oh, yeah, why we're not talking about maybe a Kenyon Drake, who I'll still bring up. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because he's owned in 83% of the leagues right now. So. Yeah, yeah, congratulations on uh, not cutting him, as uh, <laughs> as uh, I would have been tempted to do had I owned him, and, and I'm sure a lot of people did. So thank, good job holding strong there. Yeah, uh, for the three people out there that did that. Okay, the quarterback position. So we talked about the Tannehill, Carr, Jones, Trubisky, Darnold. I forgot where you fell in that spectrum, but I don't believe that either one of us had Daniel Jones 
number one, and he ended up being, I think, the number two fantasy quarterback overall, right behind Lamar Jackson with his uh, 300-plus passing yards and four mm-hmm. touchdowns. He might have even thrown 400 yards. He was amazing yeah. against I had one of my half-hour-before-kickoff dilemmas this Sunday. You know, I was tailgating at the Packer game a little bit, you know, uh, a couple beverages in me, and I'm thinking, <laughs> man, I really should just play Daniel Jones over Kirk Cousins. The Jets are oh, awful. Yeah. The Cowboys are good. Maybe I should make that decision. I, I was like, no, 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 no. That's, that's just the, uh, that's just the uh, Coors Light talking, I guess, so uh, we'll give them a free plug. But um, but anyway, I ended up holding strong, and you know this shows that even a bad quarterback can, uh, without any of his weapons, that was the other thing that did it for him. It's like no Ingram, no Shepard. You know he's he's really really hurt in that area. But uh, I don't know. He'll be a guy that I'm going to keep on my roster and maybe pick some spots the rest of the year because I've got it's one of those leagues where I've got the perfect team, but just yeah. nothing at quarterback. So it's yeah. like I'm going to I'm going to stream around because you know and. That's the exact strategy that I advise myself a lot of times. So maybe that's why we talk about quarterbacks so much on this show. I think we're the best quarterback streaming pod in the uh, in the industry. Well, yeah, and, and for good reason, too, because I, you're right. I, I talked about Josh Allen over Kirk Cousins in Stake League, and that was a direction that I felt pretty confident. He, he was able to um, do pretty close with the rushing touchdown at the end. But yeah, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, uh, Chris Liss's favorite quarterback ever is is doing pretty good. But I think this is more of a lesson targeting these bad defenses. And I think we get a perfect example with Derek Carr against the Bengals this week. And we saw what Lamar Jackson did in particular with that Madden-esque rushing touchdown that he had that basically put the game out of reach. Not that the Bengals were ever really coming back, but that was that was it. That was the dagger, so to speak. And I think Derek Carr can't do the athleticism that Lamar Jackson can, but he can certainly be a passer. And as much as I hate to say this because I was, I was, along with most of the country, making fun of John Gruden after year one, he has put together a damn good offense, and I saw that when I went to the Packers-Raiders game uh, three weeks ago that I was very impressed with the limited weapons Gruden had mm-hmm. was still able to move the ball quite well. Yeah. This is an offense that's going to do well against the Bengals' defense, and they just cut their middle linebacker, Preston Brown, uh, who wasn't really good, but actually was in halfway through year one of a three-year deal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with you in saying that uh, Derek Carr is going to be the number one uh, quarterback pickup this week. The only issue you're going to run into is he's 45% owned in Yahoo League, so the threshold's really starting to push it a little bit. Um, maybe people, again, maybe that was moved a little bit by between his game last week, even though he didn't, he didn't do a whole lot last week. But, uh, but yeah, the matchup gets a lot better. Now, he's not going to score 35 points like Lamar Jackson did, mostly because Lamar Jackson got 12 points on that wild highlight reel run we'll be watching for a very long time. But a 24 point, or I'm sorry, a 20 point effort, I feel pretty good about for Derek Carr, and that's enough to probably say he's the top quarterback stream option this week. Yeah, I think so too. And I, it's this is going to be a very gross recommendation, and maybe this should fall more into the two quarterback league one uh, as opposed to just outright streamings. Dwayne Haskins getting the start against that Jets defense. We've seen them continuously struggle to stop the passer. I think Terry McLaurin is going to do great, but Paul Richardson has kind of snuck in there as maybe a viable wide receiver too, certainly in fantasy this week. I think he's out there as well. Do you see Dwayne Haskins even being like a top 20 guy this week? No. All right, no, there no, we go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Great no, analysis. No, let's let, let's go ahead and move on. No, I I don't believe he, he's got it. I would much rather go with a guy like Kyle Allen who uh, gets the Falcons. Now I know the Falcons came to play against the Saints this week, uh, which is one I didn't get to watch in full due to being at Lambeau Field or around Lambeau Field for most often. But uh, uh, so so yeah, the, the Falcons showed up to play. Do I think that's super consistent? Probably not. Do I think Kyle Allen probably had one of his uh, lesser games of the year, maybe affected by the conditions a little bit against the Packers? Yes. So uh, I mean, Kyle Allen's the guy 
guy rest of season. So he's another guy that you could pick him up as a QB two, QB three, and maybe pick your spots the rest of the year. Um, see if he's got a matchup with the. Or oh, I think the Tampa Bay matchups are all done, but Kyle Allen against uh, Atlanta would be a guy that I put well ahead somebody like uh, somebody like Haskins. All right, I'll, I'll board bet that one. I actually think Haskins will outperform Kyle Allen, and, and not to say that I'm going to overreact based on the Falcons defense. Uh, that really felt like a fluky game. We saw with the Chargers and Packers uh, two weeks ago. There was just flukiness that occurred, uh, and I think the same thing will happen with the Saints and Falcons when we look at the rest of the season rankings here. I do think Dwayne Haskins is a good enough quarterback. I really think the matchup is bad enough where he'll be able to take advantage, Mm -hmm. and we saw the Falcons pass rush get something going against the Saints. That's not necessarily something that you consider fluky. They haven't been able to pass rush throughout the rest of the year, though, so you know maybe, maybe they stumble upon something after the bye. I do believe in how bad the Jets' defense is, though, whereas I'm not convinced the Falcons are this bad that we've seen, mm-hmm. and we just got a one, uh, admittedly, a one-week sample size where they might not be as good. I'm pretty sure when I listen to you talk about Haskins, it's probably the same way that that you feel when you hear me talk about Trubisky. <laughs> it's just like, it, 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 yeah. But we know what <laughs> Trubisky is after three years. Haskins has had four starts. You've got a rookie quarterback in a mess of an organization. Yes. That, uh, you know, it's a mess of a coaching staff that, that you just can't trust to do anything. So It's uh, on the board, Jake. I'm going to say on the board. On the fair board. enough. Put it on the board, but play him at your own risk. I'm going to I will do that. Do you, don't have to, you don't have to convince me. I'll make All bad right. decisions of my own. Nick Foles, starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, a bit of a, a disappointment, at least for me, Gardner Minshew. We talked about that a lot last week in terms of the, the decision by Jacksonville to make that choice. Well, here we are now. Foles gets his first start against a Colts defense that isn't necessarily reeling. They only, I think, that, I mean, the Dolphins only scored 17 points against them. However, they do have a lot of injuries along there. Darius Leonard continues to be a monster, at least in that linebacking core. But I think Pierre Desir uh, might have missed this last game, or at least was limited entering it. And I think that makes a difference much against a receiving core for Jacksonville with DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook that should all be healthy and ready to go after bye week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, you know, not necessarily just for a stream in this matchup, because I could argue that uh, that. Carr and Allen might be better plays, but uh, for someone rest of season with some weapons. And then also we don't know about the status of D.D. Westbrook, too. Uh, you know, he's coming off a of bye, so I would hope that he plays. But as someone who's hung on to that train in a couple of leagues, uh, maybe something happens there. So, uh, yeah, definitely in the mix. Uh, but maybe goes a little bit towards our two-quarterback discussion a little bit. But uh, he's right on the fringe between the street. Uh, and the well, I was really digging deep in the two quarterbacks. We have Jeff Driscoll potentially starting against the Cowboys. Now, I would not advise this one at all. Nope. However, he looked okay and he at least gives you a bit of a rushing floor i think you get at 40 plus yards against the bears defense this past week they kept things competitive for about three quarters it's possible that against a cowboys team that seems to be inconsistent at the very best that's a, a positive way of uh, calling him and with weapons like marvin jones and kenny galladay something could happen ryan finley against the raiders defense that other than last week against the chargers has not had much of a pass rush and brandon allen against the vikings those are your three two QB options, I feel like, and then maybe Jacoby Brissett if he starts. Mm-hmm. We don't know his status as, as well after missing this past week. Yeah, I mean, Allen's probably like QB 28 this week. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett is someone that, uh, uh, again, this is one of those where we'd try to do our podcast early to beat your waiver wire deadline, but might not quite have all the news yet with Brissett. Um, the latest we have on Rotowire is that his status for week 11 is likely going to be determined Wednesday. So check out that injury report. Check out rotowire.com for the status on Brissett. Um, even then, again, you have to be in a pretty deep two quarterback league to consider starting Hoyer. But the thing is, is 
you know, you've got Aaron Rodgers and you've got uh, Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson on bye weeks this week. So if you had one or two of those quarterbacks, chances are you probably weren't really rostering much of a backup and you might have to pick up some kind of a streamer. So in that case, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of fab that can be put towards guys like this. I think if I had to rank those three, I'm not going to include Jacoby Brissett, but Je- Jeff Driscoll, Ryan Finley, Brandon Allen. Finley is light years ahead of the other two. And when I say light years, maybe like QB 20. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff Driscoll and Allen are like in that 25 to 28 range you mentioned, especially Allen. And I get it. He had a pretty good week in his uh, his very first start. Noah Fant really had a, a tremendous athletic play. I just think that Vikings defense is really good. And if you're only running the ball with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman to take pressure off of Allen, I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to be enough to get things done against yeah. them. Yeah, definitely no objections to those rankings on this part. I think you know that. Okay. All right, let's move over to the running back position. Obviously, Ronald Jones, the third, had another tremendous outing. Thankfully, my week nine shares have finally come to fruition on the Tampa Bay backfield. JJ, not so much. It seems like there is no movement on his stats. And of course, we talked about the handcuffs as well. Really, the only big difference maker that, uh, well, there's basically two that happened in the running back position right now. Devonta Freeman sprained his foot. There's an MRI to follow. I think probably by the end of today, we'll have more information in terms of how severe the injury was. Brian Hill had 20 plus carries in relief of Devonta Freeman and certainly becomes a guy that just like Ty Johnson a couple weeks ago, you imagine is the immediate fill in at the running back position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that I would argue if you need a running back position or if you're hurt by uh, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, uh, Chris Carson, Derek Henry, some big running back names on by this week. He's a guy that I could see dumping a a decent amount of the rest of your fab bid on, Um, you know, Kevin Payne says $30 to all of it in his waiver wire column on Rotowire this week. And I definitely, uh, I can get on board with that. I mean, Hill's a guy that's been in the league for four years now. He started his career with Cincinnati in 2017. Um, last year, he actually averaged, again, very short sample size, just 20 attempts with 7.8 yards per carry last year, uh, 3.6 so far this year. Uh, obviously, you know, that's going to level out when he gets a guy. But, you know, look at look at behind him on the depth chart. Kenyon Barner, Quadre Allison. Allison, if that's it, right? Like, I mean, these are guys I guess that— as good as mine. These are, that's like when we were talking about what, Patrick Laird and Mark Walton and, right. uh, and all those Dolphins guys. Yeah, I mean, that's— the kind of caliber we're looking at here and this is an offense that I think we can definitely agree is underperformed this year but is capable of moving the ball they showed that a little bit on Sunday so uh if they if they get downfield and into the red zone you know and they're going to run the ball then Hill's your guy we all know they're never going to throw to Julio in the red zone so um so yeah I I I can see the hype with this guy um I probably it's hard to tell if I feel better about Hill than I did Ty Johnson at the time it's obviously easier to say that in hindsight you know I try to equate those feelings but um but yeah this is a guy that uh you know, even my leagues where I'm set on running back, I'm going to put a pretty sizable bid out there because I, at this this is the point of the year where one you can't take your fab with you, and two you up maybe want to block your other owners That's a little exactly bit. Exactly, it. it's a huge thing. We yes. talk about this every year, right around week 10, 11. Like you want to make sure your your competition in the playoffs doesn't get their missing piece. And maybe they were aggressive on Ty Johnson earlier. Make sure that that mistake puts them out of contention for Brian Hill. And go ahead and put that $35 bid down. You might think you have the perfect team on paper, but you could be one injury away from needing a guy. Go for it because he's... I'd say, yeah, I don't know, low-end RB2 flex, depending on your league size, uh, depending on how long he's there. And, and who knows, he could earn a chance to uh, to get some work even with Devontae Freeman, who's largely underwhelmed this season. So he, he's the guy to use your first priority on this week if there is one. You brought up so many great points. Devontae Freeman's going to be out, at least the latest note says, at least a minimum of two weeks. So great, you have a starting running back who's going to get the majority of the load for at least two weeks. And 
it's not that Brian Hill can't run, uh, can't re- catch the ball either. He can do both things, and that Falcons offense asks him to do both things. So it's entirely possible, in my opinion, that he's getting 20 to 25 touches, and it's great. And the other point uh, that, uh, that we missed here, at least initially, Ido Smith is the guy that, at least the judge, right, that we all know was kind of getting drafted in early August as a potential backup for Freeman. He's on injured reserve with the concussion neck thing, so he's not coming back anytime soon to factor in on this Brian Hill stuff. But you, you were absolutely on point, uh, completely nailed it on the head with with in terms of taking stuff away from your opposition i get this all the time with trade requests as well where somebody's like hey does this trade make sense and i'm like yeah i get it but are you going to be making this other team significantly better and they're like well yeah i mean it makes Mm -hmm. and that that support putting that last missing piece in right you you don't want to make your opposition better even if you have depth especially if you're in a position right now to kind of get the star player or whatever else when you're doing trades Mm -hmm. or for agencies Making that other team better better is as big of a deal when you're going after free agents as trying to solidify your depth at this point. We're in week mm-hmm. 10. This is only a few weeks away until the playoffs have started. Yeah, and, and Hill's a guy that uh, I, I can see more helping you get into the playoffs than helping you win a title maybe because he's got the Panthers this week who are 30th against uh, opposing running backs. Then he's got two top, top three teams, the uh, the Buccaneers and the Saints, who you don't necessarily think right away are really you know studs against opposing running backs, but the numbers certainly say differently, and we're 10 weeks in now and can trust these a little bit. Uh, then he's got the Panthers again week 14, 49ers, Jacksonville Jaguars championship week and we'll see what kind of mix he's got with Devontae Freeman at that but uh, I think he's a definitely a definite start this week uh, if our our suspicions about Freeman are true and and then we'll kind of see where it goes from there let's move over to JD McKissick so of course Ty Johnson has completely ruined all hopes of the free agent winner at least coming out of our podcast Um, I, I still blame a lot of it on the Lions and how they have operated that backfield I'm not burned to the point where I, I don't want a Lions backfield member. And if J.D. McKissick is the guy that's going to get the majority of the carries and receptions, then I want that player. Of course, mm-hmm. Ty Johnson, I think, had a concussion during this last contest. We don't know his status entering this week. It's entirely possible that he comes back. It's possible the Lions sign one of those free agent guys that we talked about last week and have been entertaining now for a little bit while, and everything's moot. But as it stands, McKissick's only owned in 21% of the leagues right now. That needs to change if he is going to be the starting guy because he can do everything. And there's going to be enough of a role, especially with Jeff Driscoll as the quarterback, that they're going to have to rely on running back to take the pressure off that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, 70% of the snaps last week, enough said. Uh, so we that basically proves that, you know, in, in my head, I always thought, okay, McKissick, a third down only guy at best. All right, yep. rest of the season, you know, that's what he's got. But even after Ty Johnson went out, uh, you know, he drastically outsnapped uh, Paul Perkins. And so you're right. There's a chance that they go and, and address this on, on, the, on the waiver wire. Um, if JHI hasn't been signed yet, that makes me think there's something going on there yeah. that people think he's not, you know, so... I th- and the line specifically worked out of Jai too. So I, mm-hmm. if they haven't after two weeks signed him, it, it just doesn't feel like anything's going to happen. And, exactly. Uh, it, it was interesting. I saw that uh, Mike Davis was cut by the Bears on Saturday. Of course, Mike Davis signed the two-year, $6 million contract. There was some talk, at least from our station here in particular, where maybe he ends up usurping David Montgomery with the, uh, the Bears, and it's mm-hmm. more of a timeshare. That never occurred. I, I didn't think of it as usurping. I just want to clarify that. That was more or less like I didn't trust Nagy to, to – trust the right personnel for a certain amount of time oh, I thought and figuring we'd get Davis in the mix more than he should be early on. Yeah, I, I, I wanted more. I guess maybe play on. back the audio on me. We'll have, to, we'll have to see on that. No, all this to say that I think Mike Davis is really talented. So I was surprised that uh, the Lions, who I think had a higher waiver wire claim, ended up not getting him. The Panthers signed him. He's now the backup to Christian McCaffrey, which 
we talked about last week, is a valuable asset in its own right with mm-hmm. Reggie Bonifant being maybe a handcuff that could win you the league. I think Mike Davis fits in that category now too. But the fact that the Lions passed on him was a very interesting prospect when they had some interest in him two years ago, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, and again, before we move on from running backs, uh, and well, I, I first would you know like to apologize one more time for all the tri- the Ty Johnson chatter earlier in this year. If you, if you see me anywhere, I'll buy you a beer. Um, <laughs> but I also do want to mention, I, I'm just checking on the ownership percentage of Darius Geis right now because hopefully you listened to us in the past couple weeks but actually you know he fits this Darius Geis is only 37% owned I picked him up last week um he's got uh he's got the Jets he's got the Jets this week and um he's activated that- from the IR last Wednesday again they had a bye this week so maybe that's why people didn't pick him up uh, early enough but uh man you could oh boy I almost forgot about. See, I, I would have assumed I didn't even think to rank Geis ahead of a guy like Hill this week because I figured, okay, Geis has got to be 50, 50 right. 60% owned by now. Now I'm looking at this like, hmm, this is very interesting. Now, Geis has, uh, I believe, I mean, Adrian Peterson's still as healthy yeah, exactly. as he's going to get. So there's, so there's a little, okay, so I, yeah, that's the one thing. But I mean, again, Geis is someone that the Redskins felt confident enough to kick Peterson to the curb, basically, and stick him on the inactive list week one because they were going to roll with Geis. I know that didn't sit well in the locker room. There's been a whole lot of things in that organization that hasn't sat well in the locker room, this just being one of them. Um, But yeah, Geis is someone that needs to be on the radar as well. And if you're putting in one of those $35 bids on Hill, I, I would probably back one up with Geis if you could, if he's out there. The over-under is set at 38.5 in that game, and I just feel like there's going to be more scoring uh, scoring happening to the point where it's possible that both Peterson and Geis can do well enough to be running back two or flex options this week, especially with the Aaron Joneses and Chris Carsons on by, like, I, and Derrick Henry, too. I think it's entirely possible, but you're right. Geis is by far has more upside than Adrian yeah. Peterson. It's not close. And I know the Redskins feel that way, too. It's pretty yeah. obvious. Well, the Jets have been weirdly good against running backs, too, and I know that Jerry and Laird uh, last week tried to explain that on their show because uh, Andrew likes you know the Jets and and some of poor it guy. Yeah, yeah poor guy but um just a reminder Saquon Bar- Barkley 13 carries for one yard against yeah, and the Jets do anything pass catching wise either which is really five for I thought 30 the, so the, average but you know I just think that that's, mm-hmm. I thought that's where the value was going to be and that, that so that's another one of those mental offense. contradictions right you know you've got a bad team and a bad defense but they're somehow really good against running right. backs so that's I guess that's another reason. So for a second, I thought I saw Darius Geis at 37%. My eyes lit up for a second. Oh, do I got to move him up? Did I make a mistake? Did I overlook him? I did a Joe Bluth. Did I, did I just make a huge mistake? Um, but no, I think I think he'll still the top pickup for the week. And then you back up your bid with Geis and kind of maybe wait and see with him if you can. Yeah, and to, to reinforce, maybe if people hadn't listened to what they were talking about on that Friday podcast, the blame, at least on the Jets' defense and why they're actually good at stopping the run, is because they are so bad at stopping the pass that you can mm-hmm. just throw the ball every single time you want to. Mm-hmm. Again, which is why I think I will win the board bet with Dwayne Haskins over Kyle Allen, and why I think Paul Richardson is going to be a pretty top pickup. And with that, let's transition to the wide receivers. Not to say that he's the top wide receiver pickup, but I think he's very intriguing. He had four or five targets two weeks ago against the Bills. Of course, the Redskins were on by this past week. It's worth pointing out, again, that he's going against the Jets. I think Terry McLaurin is going to be a top 20, if not top 15 wide receiver this week. And I think Richardson has viability as a wide receiver two or flex option as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting McLaurin back in my starting lineups. Uh, his availability actually took a spike down during his bye week. He's uh, he's 68% owned oh now. So God, he's out there. Me. If you're in a Yahoo league, he's 32% out doing? there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's uh, he's 
been you're not the ordinary rookie i guess I, I just said that really poorly but he's definitely not your ordinary rookie his routes are crisp his hands are fine there's chemistry with haskins um so if haskins has any hope of outperforming kyle allen this week going back to our earlier argument uh, it'll be with at least two touchdowns for mclaurin I'd have to look at what some prop bets are, but you're going to have to really put that line high for me not to go in on McLaurin. And I think the same goes for Paul Richardson. I just think there's going to be passing involved. There's going to be scoring involved. And even if Geis and Peterson fall into the end zone, they're going to get enough yardage where it makes sense to use if you're scrambling to fill those buy spots. We also talked about Debo Samuel. I think I would rather have Samuel over Paul Richardson. However, it's a bit more of a difficult matchup for the 49ers, and we don't know what the status of right now. Well, I shouldn't say it's a difficult matchup. They are against the Cardinals. Patrick Peterson did leave the game last against with an injury. I just don't know if they're going to need to pass. We saw that Thursday night game, what, three weeks ago, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And it was just fluky in a lot of different regards. I don't feel like the 49ers are going to have to pass to beat the Cardinals this, this week. I think it's going to be a lot more Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida. But if Samuel's the number one guy— it's sure hard to say that you, you can't go pick him up right now as one of the top ones. I think it would be Brian Hill and Samuel for me if you told me for certain Sanders will not play. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really tough one. Uh, these None of these receivers, you know, we've got a lot of them out there. Some of them don't necessarily look all that hot. Um, I still, man, at the receiver position this week, if I'm looking to improve that position, if, if you need to start someone, obviously you can't go pick up a guy like Darius Slayton. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut to him just because I think that with the Sterling Shepard concussion situation with no return date in sight, with Evan Ingram being pretty injury prone, we can we can say that now over uh, those first couple seasons. Uh, I think Slayton has some more big games, and he's probably got the most rest of season upside. But if you need a guy this week, obviously you can't use him. So I'd be fine with uh, but with putting those bids in on Debo Samuel. You know how you were ridiculously playing Chase Edmonds and Stake League and benefiting off of obscure touchdowns and then celebrating about it? Mm-hmm. Is that Slayton? That's Slayton for me. <laughs> yeah, I actually had Slayton in not just this week, but the past week too, where he's gotten three touchdowns in two weeks. I had the same thing in Stake League <laughs> where I had Devontae Adams and Marquise Brown, and you have to start three wide receivers. And I had some injuries at running back. So I was starting uh, Cole Beasley and Devontae Parker when I think the two, I think uh, one of them had touchdowns in three or four weeks and yeah. one had touchdowns in like four or five so I was just getting a ton of touchdowns nothing else from those guys but it's keeping me alive keeping me in the conversation and Slayton had 20 plus points in that format and not to say that we want to talk about our the stake league despite my dysfunctions otherwise mm-hmm. I do I, I've been pretty high in Darius Slayton now for a while I've been picking up in a lot of different leagues in most of the leagues that uh, I'm in he's owned by me but Danny Dimes is doing some good things as far as the quarterback position goes. Golden Tate is still a viable enough receiver to command attention. I think Slayton, given his speed and his factor in the offense, could be a difference maker moving forward. I don't know championship winning rosters that are starting Slayton at wide receiver two or three, but I know plenty of playoff team rosters that would have Slayton as a starter, and I think that makes a difference. Again, if you're taking away a weapon that could even just one week win your opponent a game, that's worthy of picking up. And I think even during the bye Mm -hmm. weeks, I would definitely be going out and acquiring Gary Slayton, who is under 50% owned in Yahoo. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you don't need wide receiver help right this instant. Grab him now before the the price gets a little bit higher here. Uh, I want to keep moving down your list. We've got Renfro on here because of the uh, matchup with the Bengals. Yeah, and and it's not even just Renfro, but also Demarius Thomas too. Again, like mm. these are receivers ah, those are that a couple guys you wouldn't you wouldn't think necessarily to go ahead and mm. pick up. However, Renfro has been a bigger factor in the Raiders' offense at the expense of Tyrell Williams. There's going to be a lot of passing. If we like Derek Carr, then we also have to like Hunter Renfro. Who at this point, yeah. is the number two receiver behind Darren Waller. See, I'd, I'd almost take Demarius Thomas 
over Renfro because which uh, is fine. He's going against the Redskins. Yes, exactly. But um, the thing with Renfro is is fifty three point four percent of the snaps this week. Zay Jones has outsnapped him in consecutive weeks. So uh, um, you know that that's we, an issue. We, we talked, talked about Jones about being a good downfield blocker, blocker, and that's the exact reason. But can you try? I mean, even in a great matchup, can you trust the guy that's barely getting over half the snaps? That's that, you know that's One, difficult. Okay, well, and and you're more the analytical guy than me with the, the PFF and everything else like that that mm-hmm. you're looking at. But when I watched that game on Thursday, again, I'm the Chargers beat writer for RotoWire, so it's mm-hmm. not it's more of an obligation than something I actively enjoy doing is watching the Chargers. <laughs> I covered play. the Browns for a couple of years, yeah, so, so yeah, you understand worry, yeah. the play. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the Chargers defense is pretty good, and they're they're good at a lot of different things. Pass rush in particular, the secondary when they're healthy is one of the best in the league. They just aren't healthy, and they're missing Adrian Phillips, Derwin James, those kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. I was stunned to see, and I think they're pretty good coached as well. How badly they were attacking these different angles that Hunter Renfro was on screens and different slant plays and everything else like that. And mm-hmm. I respect the secondary of the Chargers and the coaching staff in that regards. To see Hunter Renfro do those things against a good team made me consider, wow, what could mm-hmm. he do against a bad team, especially when they are almost exclusively passing short to guys like Hunter Renfro. So great that he only plays 50% of the snaps and Zay Jones is at almost close to 100, but Jones has much more viability in the offense as a blocker. When Renfro's out there, he is the main receiver, and I like that in a situation where they're going to be passing a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In the end, uh, you know, I'm still going to stick to my you got to be on the field because uh, Demarius Thomas, 72% or more of the snaps in five of the last six weeks. He actually outsnapped Jameson Crowder this past week. So, uh, and, and yeah, given the matchup at Washington, uh, I would go Demarius Thomas over Renfro. I get I get the point you're making, and I'm not going to dismiss it entirely, but I think if I'm ranking the guys this week, I'd, I'd flip-flop those. That's fine. And I guess the question would be, because I might agree with you as well, not to say Renfro can't be picked up, but I would rather have Demarius. Would you rather have Paul Richardson or Demarius Thomas? And again, both are going against each other in the matchups here. I like Richardson as far as standard league scoring. If you really need a wide receiver two who can go off for a big play with that speed and get a touchdown. But Demarius Thomas makes more sense in a PPR perspective. He had nine targets against the Giants this past week. Yeah, it's going to be Thomas for me actually by a decent margin because we know McLaren's the number one option there. Um, Paul Richardson in week nine got outsnapped by Trey Quinn and Calvin Harmon both. Um, so <laughs> again, I, maybe I'm putting too much into these snap counts, but I always say it's half skill, half opportunity, right? And uh, and and if the opportunity is not there, if you're on the field less than half of the snaps, I have a tough time picking you up and starting you at any point. So. Fair enough. Two other receivers that we should discuss, uh, and we really, really didn't touch on Josh Reynolds last week when we should have. Brandon Cooks is out with the concussion, and we don't really know when his status is going to come back. I actually have seen him dropped in a handful of leagues, and I haven't really had the guts to pull a trigger to pick him up. And mm-hmm. I don't, I lack depth in most of my leagues, so that's probably an issue, but. Josh Reynolds really is the wide receiver two behind Cooper Cup, has been an extraordinarily efficient fantasy option, even dating back to last year when Cup tore his ACL. He's been Mm -hmm. a guy that I would rely on a lot in DFS, and while he didn't do great this past week and he has a difficult matchup against the Bears, I think he's worth at least considering picking up as a depth option for your team. Mm -hmm. Reynolds is one of those guys where, okay, you're looking at the projected points on your league hosting site, and you're projected to get beat by 15, 20 points. It's not a two, three-point matchup. You're projected to get smoked. So instead of taking a guy that you're pretty sure is going to get seven or eight targets, you pick up Josh Reynolds because you know that he can have a big game. He's had big games in the past, and again, at least the opportunities there, 94.8% of the snaps. He actually outsnapped Cooper Cup this week uh, just by a little bit. I mean, it was so close. I don't really look into that uh, anything, but, uh, but Josh Reynolds, we know, is the clear replacement for Cooks. He's going to be on the field a whole lot. They seem to be using two tight end sets a little bit less this year, the Rams do. So uh, so Reynolds is a guy that, uh, yeah, he could get you you know two fantasy points and you could be really 
disappointed, or you could score two, three times and, and bust out a big play and uh, and really change the week for you. So sometimes I do make start decisions based on you know what the projected margin is against you and your opponent. The Rams' offense, it, not even so much the Bears' defense. They're just different from last year. I don't think they're as as turnover heavy. And they don't get to the quarterback as well. Not say that they can't mm-hmm. still, but they're just they're just a different defense. It's it's almost like in baseball when a prospect comes up and he just tears the league up by storm. For the first, yeah, you know yeah. the guy the guy goes nuts. He's hitting like crazy, and then all of a sudden all the pitchers start to adjust. Last right. year for the Rams it was McVay finally having a good quality team. You know, doing some new things uh, with the passing attack and with the running game. Uh, this year maybe people are starting to figure things out a little bit, and McVay needs to make some more adjustments. Really, it was the Bears that showed the rest of the league how to stop the Rams offense and since that point when they played last year it was really the Rams offense struggling obviously most notably the Super Bowl and carrying on into this past year now as well and I think that's where Reynolds gets a little bit concerning for me week eight so they had to buy obviously week nine week eight against the Bengals again with Cooks out Reynolds had three catches 73 yards and a touchdown the explosiveness is there and I think when you look at the Mm -hmm. receivers Robert Woods obviously the next guy Cooper Cup but Reynolds can do some things you can strike gold and double that in one week uh, or you could get one or zero catches you know so the same thing could go both ways the Rams though on a whole though just as a a word of caution uh, they got a pretty tough playoff schedule here week 15 and 16 they got Dallas and San Francisco that's no fun for fantasy matchups I guess I was going to bring up though they play the Ravens who've who've gotten a lot better uh, in their Mm -hmm. secondary with the addition of Marcus Peters in week 12 but they have the Cardinals and Seahawks in their 23 Mm -hmm. and 22nd respectively in terms of allowing points to receivers in that lead up to there. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he, it's he'll get you to the playoffs, but you're probably going to cut him after week yeah, 14. I, yeah. And then one of the receiver that I thought was worth monitoring, at least bringing up, James Washington has now set back to back season highs in receiving yards, uh, rece- receptions, and yards. He caught a touchdown. I don't know if you saw the touchdown on red zone or anything like that, Jake, but. It was more they don't of a have red lucky. zone in my Lambo field yet. Yeah, they don't put. They don't quite put that up <laughs> well, on the on the jumbotron. So I thought I didn't maybe catch you that. would have caught a highlight later on, Jake. Thank you for making a fool of myself. <laughs> it was a lucky throw, or not a lucky throw. Obviously, it takes some talent to make mm-hmm. the play. You, I wouldn't necessarily look into the touchdown like, oh, James Watson caught a touchdown from Mason Ruff. It, it wasn't that kind of performance. I got you. I got you. But again, back-to-back season highs from receptions and yards. There needs to be somebody that's pass-catching. It certainly isn't Juju Smith-Schuster for the Steelers. Maybe James Washington's worth looking at. I'll be honest. I, I was, was Juju through. a little banged up? No, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't carry a tag right now, season. but he's been banged up off and on, of yeah, course. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at some of my NFFC leagues again. That's 20 mm-hmm. rosters, I think 10 or 12 team leagues in most of those. So it's deep. And I really couldn't convince myself on spending any significant fab on mm-hmm. James Washington. So listeners out there, don't, don't do that either it is just worth bringing up i didn't want to have another josh round situation he's kind of one of those guys where maybe you know he stays on the waiver wire this week but if you use a watch list or some kind of list like that and a lot of league hosting sites do that maybe you star him only because he's got the jets week 16 in the fantasy championship week so that could be something where if it continues to uh play out like this uh then maybe he could offer some utility. Like I've, I was a believer in James Washington, especially after Big Ben went down. We probably talked about this on like our Week Three or Week Four waiver mm-hmm. wires show um, because they had a lot of great chemistry with uh, in the pre- in the preseason, and uh, we haven't seen it so far. But now we're starting to see it a little bit, so uh, we could be getting there. The Steelers' offense just is a little bit lackluster as well with Ben Roethlisberger out. We were also high in Deontay Johnson earlier this year, and that really hasn't come to mm-hmm. fruition like we we're hoping. So it's it's just a different thing, especially with those starting quarterbacks out. Yeah, and technically uh, J- Johnson's out snapping Washington by right. quite a bit as well yeah there go back to your snaps of course you would go ahead and uh, dude you need opportunity <laughs> man this team trends page on rotowire is like my favorite page you can see it's
It's all color coded. You can see who. I mean, that's like the first thing you know you look at when you're trying to determine within a team opportunity. Like in, in hoops, I'm looking at usage rates, and here I'm looking at snap rates. Jake Klatarski, ever the company man. Well, we'll get to the tight ends and defense in just a second. First, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Wolf Fantasy Pools. Hey, already knocked out of your survivor pool like I am. We actually just did the Rotoware one decided this past week, thanks to the Saints. Everyone Ooh, had the Saints except for one person. I forget who it was now, uh, and they were able to get the win. So we had Week 10 decider for the survivor pool. But I was out, but of course, with Week 8 stinker from the Packers. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm disappointed about that. Anyway, so if you are like me and you ended up losing early in the season and felt like it was mostly based on luck and wish there was an alternative where you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether our team wins or loses, thankfully for me, there now is something like that. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game-type stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools and uh, that people are familiar with and adds a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, You'll use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete and achieve a designated stat line. Achieve that stat line and you advance. Fail to do so and you'll be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line and advance and win. It's just that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. That's www.worldfantasypools.com. All right, we talked about tight ends. Uh, a little bit when we were discussing Monday night, again, if George Kittle is out, Ross DeWelly against the Cardinals defense could be a top three pickup potentially. And I, I, I don't really even say that as slander. It's entirely possible that with just how bad the Cardinals defense has been consistently at the position, that he could be a compelling option even more so than a guy like Debo Samuel uh, or Brian Hill or even Demaryius Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking through this list, and, man, tight ends is so tough. I do have a league where Darren Fells is still out there, so that's interesting to me. Rudolph is out there because uh, this week I made a move to trade. I had Mark Andrews at a real cheap keeper price, but I already had Travis Kelsey. Oh, okay. So I traded him in some capital next year to acquire Tyreek Hill. There you go. And, you know, and I'm getting a lot of Chiefs, but I'm looking ahead to a couple weeks where it's on a buy. So this one's hitting home to me. Um, I'm probably going to look at Fells first. Um, Howard is still owned, unfortunately. Someone is hanging on to him. But Fels is out there. Irv Smith's out there. These are the guys that I'm going to look at. Ooh, actually, O.J. Howard's out there, too. So maybe that turnaround, I can sneak that in there as well. Um, but there's a lot going on this uh, this week. I, so I'm not going to need necessarily Dwelly for this week, but I buy your argument. I mean, the Cardinals, by far, um, the worst. It's almost signif- statistically significant, I want to say, because... Actually, it's definitely statistically significant if I can get my, my alliteration right. Okay, so the Cardinals, uh, 32 dead last, 14.6 points per game allowed to tight ends in standard formats. Uh, the Buccaneers are the next closest at 11.7. So they're talking three full points per game here. And uh, yep, I, I'm no statistician exactly, but uh, <laughs> that would be almost a full standard deviation without me actually doing the math. It's a little bit tighter um, in in full PPR. They're only up uh, like by 1.2 points over the Card or over the Buccaneers. Where the second worst in PPR points, but uh, but yeah, I'm uh, whew. it's certainly uh, in DFS. Yeah. Dwelly makes a lot more sense, and I think that would almost be one of the top plays, and not a cash game necessarily, but you you could really get by. I think he's worth picking up in certainly deeper formats. I I've been blessed. That's about the only place I've been blessed with the tight ends. I've had a lot of Kittle and Andrews combinations where I haven't had to worry about the tight end spot. For most of you out there, you do, and I think Dwelly makes a lot of sense as a pickup that mm-hmm. you should be targeting pretty high in your waiver wire claim if we know Kittle's out. Again, his status didn't really change much throughout Saturday. I think uh, head coach um, Kyle Shannon had said something similar to the effect of if this was a playoff game, Kittle's out there. 
I have no idea what that means, though, for week mm-hmm. 11, and the I whole hate when coaches outlook, say that. The whole Kittle outlook is really strange. He had an MRI. The results of the MRI weren't at all made public. Um, so what are they going to do? Just, like, hide his injury until, you know, and, and listen to his doubtful, or are they going to let him go? They're going to play the Matt Stafford. Oh, he's fine. Oh, wait, he's got mm-hmm. broken vertebrae in his back. That's that's yeah. good. Maybe, yeah, maybe not so great. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's something. And Dwelly uh, running routes on 74.6% of his snaps, so he almost three quarters. Night. So he would be... Uh, yeah, he'd be the guy to go to in that situation, uh, and I could see it. He'll be minimum price in DFS. Uh, he'll be popular. Cash games get real tough. Yeah, I don't know if I would go that direction, but I do feel pretty confident that he'll be able to at least produce at a minimum of a, a decent free agent pickup if you're going that direction. Mm-hmm. I did put OJ Howard did stuff really analytically, all caps on our rundown here because I knew you were super excited to talk more OJ Howard as a pickup. Mm-hmm. I actually used OJ Howard in DFS lineup uh, hey, where I where I needed you. it because you know it was one of those DFS weeks where like okay you got to get McCaffrey and you probably got to get yeah. Saquon yeah. you got to get Michael Thomas so then you get you get weird after that but um, you know I'll run through my regular stuff OJ Howard running routes on eighty three point seven percent of his snaps. And last week, he played 98.8% of snaps compared to 176 for Cameron Bray. You know, some of those snap count things that I've done before, you can kind of joke about. I was just chiming in. This one is actually a major, major difference here. So uh, it's tough. They've got the uh, Cardinals, or I'm sorry, they had the Cardinals last week. Now they've got the Saints, Falcons, Jaguars, Colts, uh, Detroit Lions, and Houston Texans to end the year. But uh, OJ Howard's back, and I'm actually making a bid on him as we speak. Yeah, I don't know if I can say he's back because I've been burned so many times before. However, I'm also the person that's drafted David Johnson in each of the last three years in different leagues. So I guess I'm fallible to that kind of thing, uh, or I'm a masochist. I, I, I don't really know. <laughs> all, all I know is that O.J. Howard makes me really queasy, but about 25 starting tight ends in fantasy also make me queasy, along with your boy Darren Fells. I think you just got to roll the dice sometimes with talent and hope that the coaching staff figures it out. We got there finally with Ronald Jones. Maybe by the grace of God, we can also have them figure out O.J. Howard as a stud tight end. It's, mm-hmm. it's entirely possible that we could be having this awakening for Bruce Arians. Yeah, maybe it only took you know, 11, 10, 11 weeks, but we could be getting there. And, um, you know, again, so I'm not picking up Howard for this week. I'm picking him up for Week 12 at Atlanta. Yeah, let's do that. I'm making that bid right now. Again, we're we're, we're under the uh, benefit, or sorry, we're, we're, we're hurt by the lack of when we're doing this podcast. So Austin Hooper sprained his MCL in Sunday's win over the Saints. We don't know his status yet. It's entirely possible, given the severity of the MCL sprain, that he could be day-to-day. He could be week-to-week or out for the season. Again, grade one would mean that he's probably available mm-hmm. to play this week. But if he's grade two or higher, expect your what tight end two or tight end three to be out multiple weeks. I'm not running out there to acquire the Falcons backup tight end, which if you knew it was Luke Stocker and Jaden Graham, kudos to you. You just want whatever prize you want. But they're there and they're going to have opportunities if Austin Hooper is out in an offense that passes a lot. Yeah. So uh, their bodies, they're they're warm. (laughs) They they exist. They're all right. Yeah. You know what? I, I guess I'm okay with that. You'd have to be but you know there are two tight end leagues out there where these guys probably aren't owned yet. So. Yes, Scott the Scott. Well, not the Scott Fishbowl, uh, but I hear Jeff Erickson talk about one all the time mm-hmm. where they did it early. Right I know the Vegas. the auction they did in Vegas yes. is the two tight end yeah, league. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's what used to be the the old Stopa league, but it's you know they, they switched that up a few times. But yeah, um, I forget the name of it now. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So there, you're right. There are out there. I think very clearly, in my opinion, if you're ranking tw- uh, tight ends, it's going to be Ross Dwelly if Kittle's out, OJ Howard if he's available, and then you're rolling the dice yeah. with the Darren Fells of the world after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, Fells 
is total crapshoot. Yeah, exactly. You're rolling dice in an alleyway at that point. But it might work out for you. It has for a lot of owners in the past. Uh, if you're curious, uh, I'm, I'm actually curious what our listeners have to say about timing. If they'd want to, if they'd want to show later, we're probably locked into this time for the rest of this year. But uh, uh, who knows? Maybe later on they can they get some updates from the waiver wire guys. So uh, uh, Roto Jake at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. If you're ever curious, I got to work our little plugs in there. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of disagreed at least when it came to the defenses. Uh, before the podcast started, and I think right before I started hitting record, I convinced you thoroughly that the Oklahoma, Oakland Raiders are the top defensive pickup this week against the Bengals. Do you dare contradict me again? Well, it's kind of a cheating pick because it's 43% owned, but I would take the Cowboys first if that were an option. They're only 43% owned on Yahoo Leagues. They get the Lions, and they get possibly Jeff Driscoll. So I'd go Dallas first, but I think um, Oakland would be up next on my rankings. And then the other one that we discussed a little bit, uh, you, you remember my principles. I've probably said these a bunch of times. Home team, low over-under. Um, and that would be the Washington uh, the Washington Redskins are one point favorites at home against the Jets. Mm-hmm. The over under on that game is thirty eight and a half. Um, I think you could, if you're desperate, you could take either defense in this game because I bet uh, I don't know over under four and a half combined turnovers between these teams. I'd probably take that over. Yeah, I'm taking the over on turnovers. I'm also taking the over on points. So that's that's the concern on at where mm-hmm. I lie there. Otherwise, Dallas against Jeff Driscoll, yeah. under <laughs> under fifty percent owned, very barely there at forty three percent. That's 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 the two other options. I mean, it's mm-hmm. Dallas and Oakland for me, and that's that's it. That Washington Jets game, thirty eight and a half. If you could only get offensive points to go towards the total, then I'd be like under by a mile. Don't even think about it. But there's going to be at least one that's pick true. six or one just like horrifically stupid play that happens in this game um, to make it unfortunately fantasy relevant because who outside of those two cities would ever watch a game like that if it weren't for fantasy football right that's exactly. why we're here. i mean that's 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 the beauty of fantasy football that you have to bludgeon yourself by watching the redskins and jets play nfl football in week 11 i, I feel like we should have a blooper reel at the end of the podcast where we the things that we say throughout it then become ridiculous so of course you talk about mitchell trubisky as a fantasy relevant quarterback could be replayed endlessly me saying mm-hmm. counterdict and contradict should also be played endlessly there. That's that's how you know we've been close to talking for 50 We'll get your Dwayne Haskins love on a loop for next week. Don't you oh, worry. Uh, yeah, you bet, <laughs> when, when I'm right, you better be putting it on a loop. I guarantee you. All right. Well, that does it for us on the week 11, I guess, version now. Man, the season has flown by on the free agent edition of the podcast sponsored by Yahoo DFS. Of course, you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports and follow Roto Jake. And if you have any interest or guys that are going after maybe the uh, dwellies of the world, certainly reach out to him on Twitter to get some more insight on those questions that does it for us and best of luck to your fantasy lineups